Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with the topic, Misconduct Scandal Disrupts Major CSGO Events. Am I going to IEM Sydney? IEM Sydney was, and well still is, a CSGO tournament thing. I was gonna get myself a ticket, but the requirements necessary for me as a social media guy to get one of their tickets was way too high, so I said no. But also, one of the people who managed a lot of the CSGO talents and a lot of other content creators turned out to be like a really, really bad dude. Here's something from CoffeeZilla, for example. I've been investigating Ryan P of the Misfits for about a week now. Accusations include not paying creators and millions owed from his merch company revolts. That investigation is ongoing, DM me to talk. But last night, even worse accusations came out, sexual assault. And like half a dozen people have posted these long Twitter screenshot things where they just explain in intricate detail all the ways that this Ryan P dude basically used his status and access to money to take advantage of vulnerable people to weird sexual stuff to people like hopping into the shower with them and stuff and i guess he might, he might have been bi i'm not sure into guys i'm sure but even people who weren't, weren't necessarily that way but he wouldn't care it, it's it's like i've read a bunch of them it's some really really weird stuff but for that reason a lot of the csgo talents aren't going to iem in sydney because everything's just kind of weird right now like when i was down in pax australia a lot of the people from Misfits and other CSGO talent people weren't around. I didn't take notice of it at the time, but when all this stuff came out, I was like, oh, I guess that's probably why. People were just you're keeping their heads down, just trying to deal with the fallout of this guy being fucked. But I, I'm sure like a lot of them knew of this stuff, but just couldn't say anything or whatever. It's like, here's another My Ryan P story, and it's just multiple pages and it's fucked up. So uh, the people that I was going to meet at IEM Sydney aren't going anymore. I'm not really missing out on anything, I don't think. I do have a ticket for South by Southwest Sydney or whatever, where there's a bunch of stuff going on, but I'm sick and I'm waking up at like 3 p.m. now because of how sick I am. So I can't even go to that. So that sucks. I had my fun at PAX Australia though. At least I did something, so. New AI feel feature for videos announced in Adobe Premiere Pro. So I really hope this ends up being actually good, but apparently there's a new feature coming to Adobe Premiere that I've always hoped they'd release. Marcus Brownie says here on Twitter, having a hard time processing this, generative fill for videos built into Premiere. Generative fill being like, when you say to your uh, Photoshop, you say, hey, this square here, it's got nothing in it. Can you like extrapolate the rest of the image and fill in that gap with stuff? So like you're missing half a, a sky and you just crop it and say, hey, fill this. And it sometimes does a good job, sometimes does not. But for the longest time, it's like, can we have that in video? Even if it takes a million years to process, whatever. But obviously like, generative fill right now isn't even that good. But this is like some leaked footage from an Adobe presentation where they're talking about bringing it to video. This time, let's get generative fill a text file and hit generate. Again, the AI is doing all the hard work for me and um, let's just wait for a couple seconds and we'll see the results. So he's basically got a guy standing here with like a, it looks like a pink shirt and he wants to add, oh no, maybe he wants to add a tie to it, I guess. And, okay. Right, there's a tie, not super. Yeah, so it's, so it's given like four different options of adding a tie to this dude's shirt. I guess his shirt wasn't pink, maybe it, it just looked pink because he was selecting it. So he had a white shirt without a tie and it's given four options, four ties for this Obvious. dude. Okay, this one looks good, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I know. But wait. But this is a video, right? So let's fast fill. And so the dude's now walking, and in each frame, the tie is there matching into the dude's shirt. 
which is cool. I can definitely see how that would be useful. But as is often the case for my workload, these sorts of things are usually built for like real life images and whatnot and doesn't really understand like video game graphics because what these AI have been trained off is a lot of real life images. When I give them stuff from GTA 5, it's just like, I don't understand what's going on here. This is weird and it just butchers it. But over time, these things will get better and better and hopefully this will make a handful of things that I have to do in my workload uh, a little bit less tedious. Could be good for you and your editors for thumbnails primarily. Oh yeah, generative fill is used for thumbnails sometimes. Um, let me grab an example here. Apparently this sky was generative fill. New YouTube feature prevents the use of ad blockers. So in YouTube's continuous battle against ad blockers, they have a new thing that pops up if you use one. It says video play will be blocked after three videos. It looks like you may be using an ad blocker. Video playback will be blocked unless YouTube is allow listed or the ad blocker is disabled. Ads allow YouTube to be used by billions worldwide. You can go ad free with YouTube Premium and creators can still get paid from your subscription. Allow YouTube ads, try YouTube Premium. I hear like 50% of people use Adblock or something like that, which is surprising to me because it's a, a lot more annoying to have on mobile. This seems like a fairly good compromise, I think, on their end in terms of trying to get people to watch YouTube without an Adblock. I have YouTube Premium. I don't know how bad ads are on YouTube these days. I just don't see it. It's like 10 bucks a month. Something I can afford, I can understand other people cannot afford it, so I'm not shoving it down people's necks. But if you do use YouTube Premium, thank you, because you are infinitely more valuable as a viewer, uh, monetarily speaking, for both uh, YouTube and me personally. But obviously YouTube wouldn't want to block people out of the website entirely. They would want to you know, give people a taste of the platform before they say, hey, yo, we're cutting you off. But of course, as with all things like this, there are already workarounds where you add a certain amount of code to your ad block and then it can stop this thing from popping up. It's always an arms race, right? YouTube, well, the ad blockers find a way to block ads. YouTube finds a way to prevent that blocking. And then the ad blockers will fire back. And then YouTube will fire back and keep going backwards and forwards. But the more of a pain in the ass that YouTube makes it to block ads, the more people that will eventually just go, fuck it, I'll just allow ads, who cares? And that's ultimately YouTube's goal. As we often say, the harder it is to do something, the less people will do it. Do I approve of this? I don't like to shame people for not watching ads on YouTube because I, I understand they're annoying, even though they do pay my bills, let me do what I do. I don't like to harp at people, but of course, YouTube's business model is ads, so you can understand they're going to keep trying to do this stuff. You remember YouTube before ads, good times? It was not good times. That is some nostalgia talking. I remember when I was on Facebook 10 years ago or something, even before that perhaps, and I remember someone complaining like, oh no, YouTube's gonna be having ads in front of YouTube videos now, that's terrible. And I said, that's not terrible. It means that people can finally make money on YouTube and support themselves there and there'd be way more content and all that jazz. The YouTube of yesteryear was not a better YouTube than it is right now. Every generation of YouTube has had pros and cons. And I still think the pros of current YouTube are better than the cons, even though the cons do suck. For example, YouTube's continuous support of content farms like Snipewolf, like all the other people who I often criticize, who I don't want to name because it pisses people off sometimes. But anyway, bots turn Reddit posts into YouTube videos with the press of a button. We talked before about how at one point in time, all of YouTube was being spammed with these Reddit videos where it was just like an AI voice reading out Reddit posts. 
and you can still see that stuff on TikTok. It turns out that it wasn't only that this was lazy content, but that it was basically automated with AI. On GitHub, you can find this Reddit video maker bot, and this video explains it as well. I created a bot that makes Reddit videos. You've seen stuff like this where it's random Minecraft gameplay of a guy jumping on blocks, and then it's some Reddit post, it reads the title, and then it reads the top posts. That apparently you could make with like a press of a button. And that's why it's still getting spammed out to this day, because it's just that easy to make. Fascinating garbage, really. The usage of Reddit content for making YouTube videos has always been somewhat contentious, because obviously people who are posting stuff on Reddit aren't really doing it for a monetary incentive. They're not making a living doing it. They're just kind of speaking their piece to the world, making things because they're passionate about it. But obviously the people who are farming Reddit for that kind of stuff aren't passionate. They're just like, hey, here's some free content that I can put into a YouTube video that the users themselves have already cultivated to find the best stuff. And I don't have to even go through that effort. But you can see how as similar to why I do with my Reddit recap. The difference being though is it's based on my work anyway. That content would not exist without me going to substantial work to create things in the first place. Basically, it's all garbage. But I just found it interesting how easy it was to make that stuff. Is Rockstar subtly hinting at GTA 6? So I did see this get a bit of traction on Twitter, but I don't know what people want me to say about it. So Rockstar Games tweeted out, Happy Moon Festival. Play GTA Online anytime this week to get a red Happy Moon tea and join the festivities. This was quite a while ago, September the 29th, but on the left, it says VI, you know, six. But ultimately, it's just the part of Vinewood, the sign. And so it says Ood. If this is like, or oh, GTA 6, like why? Why would they do that? I could totally see like, whoever's job it is at Rockstar to take these pictures, like cropping it this way as a joke. But I don't think it was like Rockstar hinting like, hey, remember GTA 6? You guys probably forgotten about that game now, but we just want to remind you subliminally, like it's a thing that could come out anytime. I think Rockstar needs to be that subtle. These are my top 10 most played Steam games. So I'm not sure what inspired me to do this, but I tweeted out my top 10 most played Steam games. Grand Theft Auto 5 at 10,797 hours. Noita at roughly 400 hours. Slay the Spire at 350 hours. Dark Souls 3 at 300 hours. They Are Billions at 300 hours. I'm surprised They Are Billions is that high. I play it like every single day eons ago, back around 2017 or something. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. 184 hours, and the last time I played it was 2015. But this is number six. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is still number six. And this is probably all played at LAN cafes with my friends at the time. Because <laughs> that's just what we did before the movie started or whatever. I doubt that LAN cafe still exists. It's a different environment these days. The Binding of Isaac at 184 hours. So it's almost about to take over Modern Warfare 2. I guess it would have taken over Modern Warfare 2 today. Binding of Isaac has shot up here being top 10 so quickly. I only started playing it like a couple months ago. PUBG Battlegrounds, 130 hours. Legion TD2, 120 hours. This is like one of the few games I play off stream. Just chuck on a game. I'm like, yeah, Tower Defense, let's go. And Among Us at 100 hours. And that's my top 10. Where would World of Warcraft be? World of Warcraft would be at like, I don't know, like 8,000 hours or something. So second. I'm not sure what other games would be on this list. I don't recall playing many console games for a heap amount of time. I'm a PC gamer. So you want to check out some cool games, check out those games. Will I enjoy Red Dead Redemption 2 more in my upcoming second playthrough? Was watching your vaulted Red Dead Redemption 2, do you think that in your eventual replay of the game, you'll have a better appreciation of it? Considering that now you won't be looking at it from a speedrunner perspective and that you might actually be able to enjoy the game for what it is. Slow paced, heavy story with a focus on just playing it for its story. I don't think I'll enjoy it nearly as much as most people. 
and I don't think the reason I didn't enjoy it the first time around was because I had some speedrunner's perspective. It was perhaps in parts that I was hoping to like make videos out of and stuff, and clearly it wasn't suited for that, but I don't think that was it. I just legitimately didn't like the slow pace of the game. It was even slower on release, as I've explained before, like the losing was like 10 times longer. Everything was just drawn out, something fierce. But I think if I played it off stream, I'd probably enjoy it more because on stream, I feel very awkward because it just feels like in a way I'm watching a movie. It's not exactly that, obviously. It's, it's still, there's a large gameplay component. It's just a lot of the time you're just sitting there listening to dialogue and there's nothing you can say or do to interject to make it interesting. Like when you play single player games like Hitman, for example, obviously there's a bit of a story there, but the main thing is the gameplay and how you creatively solve problems and invent different scenarios and, and create things and stuff. And then you can edit after that to make a cool video. But Red Dead Redemption 2, everyone's experience with that game is effectively the same. There's not much variation in the gameplay. You find different things perhaps, but it is a really, really linear story. And again, as people point out, GTA 5 is in a way that as well, although I argue not to the same extent, but obviously the content I made around GTA 5 and what I found fun about GTA 5 and what I enjoyed making content out of was the speedrunning, which is very different from playing something casually. This is why I wish I sounded Australian. So this was tweeted out by a fairly controversial account, Shoe on Head. I'm not sure where they got the source for this from, but it's, uh, it's most attractive accents and least attractive accents. Most attractive, starting with Australian, followed by Scottish, London, Irish, French, Italian, Welsh, Brummy. And least attractive, New York, Boston, American, Midwestern, Canadian, American Southern, Spanish, German, and Yorkshire. So basically, America got savaged. And if I were to imagine where this data comes from, I would imagine it just comes from America. And Americans just saying, hey, yo, the American accent overplayed, not a fan. And we love the Australian accent. Because remember, Americans love Australians, but Australians don't love Americans. <laughs> it's like an inverse. It's like 75% of Americans have a positive opinion of uh, Australians and like 25% of Australians have a positive opinion of America or something like that, that kind of difference. And I gotta be real with you, there are some good sounding Australian accents, but not all of them are, because there's a lot of variation, you know? My response to this was, I wish I sounded Australian, because I don't sound Australian. Certainly when I'm sick right now, I don't sound Australian at all, but in general, I don't have what you might call a traditional Australian accent. People don't believe I'm from Australia. So even if the Australian accent is uh, attractive, I'm not getting anything from that, I don't think. Incredibly white guy tries Indian food for the first time. So there's this clip of this white guy, I only mention he's white because important to the story, who went viral for really enjoying eating Indian food for the first time. It's a two minute, 20 second clip. I, I won't show the whole thing, but like I, I'll show you what he ate. Today we're trying Indian food. We got the buttered chicken, the garlic naan, the onion bejia, the gulab jamun. I think I got that right. And this came with some sauce and a whole basin of rice. We went to India oven in Bowling Green, Kentucky for a grand total of $35. I saw a bunch of people all saying like, oh, I'm trying Indian food now for the first time and all that jazz. And so I was like, well, not because they were saying, it, but um, I, I thought to myself, I will also try Indian food for food today and I will see if I have the same sort of response as this dude. So I said, I'm now ordering this food despite having the whitest palate in existence. This sounds weird. I meant to say, as an incredibly white guy who is sometimes sincere, I will report my findings. It sounds weird, I've just called myself incredible. I was playing off what this guy said down here. This incredibly sincere white guy trying Indian food for the first time and having his mind blown is so wholesome. But I ordered it and of the things that I ordered, only one of them was pretty good. These things looked entirely different 
from the Indian place that I purchased them from, and they just were just like, eh. Like, okay, this thing tasted all right, this bread thing. He gave it like a 9.5, the best bread he ever had. I, I don't know what he's talking about. I think it was this stuff that tasted good. The butter chicken. I was like, yeah, it's all right, and that's it. I'm going to delete this now because of uh, my typing error. I just don't eat many different types of food chat. Basically, I was bamboozled by the internet. This guy saying that was the best food he's ever eaten, I do not believe him. Although people did comment like, you gotta go to an actual Indian restaurant, like the, the good stuff, you gotta go like, the dark, deep back alley, take four turns, there's no lighting or whatever, and there's just like a back door, you knock on it, you say the right words, and you get your food. That's the kind of Indian shop you want. Seedy as all hell. I know where to find such places, chat. I just used Uber Eats, or whatever was a menu log, or whatever the hell it is. Butter chicken is really good in general. If I go someplace where I don't like anything on the menu, and I see chicken, I'm like, I'll take that. Like when I go to a Chinese restaurant, I'm like, give me the honey chicken, just all of it. Just pile it there. Thank you. Nostalgia hits different in your 30s. People are too obsessed with nostalgia. I've never been a particularly nostalgic person, honestly. But as I've grown older, it's hitting me more. And so maybe you're saying you're too obsessed with nostalgia and you might be in your early 20s or something. All throughout my 20s, I didn't really understand nostalgia. I've I'm hit my 30s, I'm like, man, remember that thing from back in the day? That's pretty good. Sucks it isn't around anymore. I talk all the time about runts from the 90s the best candy that ever existed, then Wonka changed the fucking formula. It's been six generation of runs or something. It was like generation three was the best one and they fucked it. And I will never have runs again. Never have the experience of going into one of the supermarkets and having that whole entire section just for candy. And you could fill containers with that candy and you could pick little bits of every single one that you want. That was pure joy as a kid. And I can't have that anymore. Sometimes it's interesting to look back and be like, man, X can never happen again. That sucks. And I think just as you go through life, you pick up more of those events, more of those things that you remember. And that is nostalgia in a way, right? If you're 21, then you're just not been around long enough. The stuff that you remember from your childhood is probably still around and you could probably still interact with it. As time goes on, that's not the case for me. With that being said though, there is tons of stuff from my childhood that I could still interact with and I just don't. Because most newer stuff is still probably better, probably more up my alley. But sometimes you just get prompted by something in your environment that makes you reminisce and go, ah, I remember that. Yeah, like Blockbuster. Going to Blockbuster on Friday and grabbing yourself like five movies or whatever and, and be, being excited, you get to pick them all out, read all the backs and stuff, and then go home and watch them all. That was a, a little joyous kind of thing, wasn't it? But that was not better than streaming. And that was only really interesting because you're a kid. I'm not sure I'm nostalgic about that, but that feeling was nice. Has going outside cured my constant tiredness? I'm still a bit sick, but oddly, I'm not waking up tired like I was before. Prior to going to PAX for like two months, I was always feeling tired and terrible. Since going to PAX, don't feel particularly bad. I feel sick, sore throat, headaches sometimes and stuff, but I'm not waking up tired like I was. I'm sleeping pretty good. So I'm thinking, when I'm no longer sick, we're gonna be in business. I'm gonna make some good content again. What changed? Going out, meeting people and stuff maybe? Or when I got back home, I noticed my house smelled musty. So I've made some effort to open windows and stuff to get some circulation of air. That might be it. Be weird for it just to be a problem of lack of airflow though, but regardless, Optimistic for the future. Deep cleaning time. My house is cleaned by me on the regular, but I also have people come like every two months or so and do like a deep cleaning of the house. Like actual professional cleaners. Cause I can clean for myself, but I'm not like a professional cleaner. I just had the guys come here today 
to check my house because I thought I had a rat in my roof. Well, I'm pretty confident I had something in my roof. Like, it was, I heard scratching and stuff. And they looked around. They're like, oh, yeah, everything seems pretty clean. I don't know there's any particular access point that rats would have to get into your roof or whatever. And looking around your roof, we couldn't find any droppings or anything like that. So you're doing everything right. More than likely, you just had, like, one rat up there, given the time that you heard it. And uh, it might have left, it might not, who knows. We put some bait up there, so if it comes back, it'll eat it and then leave and die or whatever. I was like, oh good. Long story short, I hope things go well when I'm no longer sick. Answering your most interesting questions. What will you be doing in the future in order to expand the scope of your channel? While I was very hesitant to do it, I mean, I uploaded the VODs channel and that potentially causes me to pick up some more people. Not that many more, of course. I have expanded into having a separate channel for my rambles and having people make my old rambles into shorts. I've thought about potentially getting one of those shorts people to help me make shorts for my main channel. Every one of those I've dedicated myself to making and they've all done very well, but doing them at all takes away from the other things that I do. Making content and or editing things that only I can edit. And so I usually push them to the side because they don't really make any money and I'm not sure how much they actually inspire growth as opposed to just making my numbers look good. Other than that, I just plan to continue to make challenge runs, I suppose. Not limiting myself to completing the entire game, conceiving of new sort of mini games that I can do in Grand Theft Auto V. I've got a long list of stuff I want to do, but a lot of it's like tedious and difficult to do and requires certain levels of energy. I might continue to do the Chaos Distance thing as a continuous series, because I like continuous series, right? Making more content with the same kind of idea generally leads to, leads to a reduction in views, but it does mean that I don't have to keep thinking of a new idea every single time. The ultimate goal, of course, is just to survive until GTA 6 comes out, and then I can effectively do every single thing that I did for GTA 5 in GTA 6. Do you plan on bringing back Chaos with no voting in the future? The recent Chaos streams with the effect every 250 meters traveled has re-sparked my interest in Chaos a bit again, somewhat because without voting, the effects are more unexpected and a surprise. With voting as a viewer, we always know what to expect. Only you can't expect what will happen. So the belief was that by having four options and having it be a proportional voting system, that it would still have enough unexpected events and enough ambiguity that it would still be interesting. Like it would still scratch that itch for people, the randomness itch. But I guess it doesn't for some people. Like sure, if something has a 75% chance of happening and you think it's gonna happen, one in four times, you're gonna be wrong potentially. That I guess, isn't enough. They can still see basically what's going to happen. But not only that, like, if 75% vote for one thing and 25% vote for another thing, like, sure, that 25% chance could happen, but you still know that's the thing that's going to happen. You know one of two things are going to happen, and you can say, oh, so if that happens, X, Y, and Z are going to happen, and if that other thing happens, then A, B, and C are going to happen. So you do know, in large part, what's going to happen, even though there are two options that could happen, right? This is different from when you don't see any of the options. You don't see four things on the screen that you're voting for. Literally anything can happen. You have no way of predicting of the 300, 400, whatever effects, what's going to happen. And for some people, they prefer that. And so maybe I will. Maybe I will bring back no Twitch controls, especially because I'm not sure that the gimmick of Twitch being able to control something is as original as it once was. Well, it definitely isn't, but it's not as much an appeal as it once was. So maybe losing that control won't annoy people all that much. Especially considering that only a couple of hundred people bother voting anyway. It's a question though of, even if I make that change, will it bring people back? Will they give the season another chance? Usually with the first episode of a new season, people do stop in. 
And if it's the correct decision, then they will stick around for the rest. Clearly, it wasn't a good decision for me to make Mirror Wild, but I'm going to stick with it until it's done. Bro, you have to redo the effects per meter video and set it to 50. I just did it to 200, and then I'm going to do it to 150. And uh, we'll see if we go beyond that, because at that point, it's going to get kind of crazy. Stop! Now that I have your attention, hit the like and subscribe button. Thank you. I wish you all the best.